Three Dog Thursday on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is brought to you by BetQL. BetQL is your home for info that you need to make yourself a smarter, better. NBA, college basketball, and the NHL, they've got you covered. Just go to BetQL.com, promo code SGP30. That's BetQL.com, promo code SGP30 for 30% off. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks from cappers and betters, including the crew from the SGPN. Better Than Vegas, it's like YouTube for sports betting. Check out all their free videos at betterthan.vegas. That's betterthan.vegas. We're also brought to you in part by Better Edge. Better Edge is a stock exchange for sports bets, allowing you to buy and sell betting positions like the stock market. The best part is it allows you to bet with no VIG. That's right, no VIG, and it's legal in 40 states. Sign up at betteredge.com, promo code SGP for a free $10 bet. That's B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com, promo code SGP. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. Indeed, indeed. Good to be back in here on the only digital radio show that loves to focus in on those underdogs, the ones that aren't given much of a chance, usually the team that is on the road, that is somehow slighted but yet finds their way to come up big. We are ready. We are ready for the month of March, and we are almost there. Great to have you with us here on Three Dog Thursday. want to tell you that we're looking forward to Brian Edwards, our senior handicapper, MajorWager.com, and Vegas Insider being with me. He's got a bevy of games that he's looking at on Thursday and Saturday. We'll get to the Thursday ones first with Brian in a bit. Lots of college basketball conversation, plenty of college basketball conversation uh, coming your way here as part of Three Dog Thursday. Uh, to that end, after we pause with Brian after the Thursday conversation, a YouTube roundtable that will have a man, Deshaun Tate, Tate's Take Hoops, uh, will be with us. Uh, Deshaun, uh, right now, currently in East Lansing, Michigan, where, oh, by the way, the Michigan State Spartans have begun to turn it on. Uh, beep, this is a recording. Tom Izzo and the month of March... Uh, It it always seems to work out that his teams are playing their basketball in March, and here we go with a Michigan State team that probably two weeks ago wasn't in the NCAA tournament. But now a couple of big wins, one on the road in Indiana and then another one on Tuesday night against Illinois, has at least put them on the cusp. It's put them in the conversation. So Deshaun is in East Lansing. He'll have thoughts on Michigan State. Michigan State, Ohio State coming up on Three Dog Thursday. The, the Spartans beat Indiana on Saturday, beat Illinois Tuesday. Your reward, you got to beat Ohio State uh, in East Lansing coming on Thursday night. So Deshaun's got thoughts on that in the college hoop landscape. My buddy Steve Carney, uh, who's up and running in the Tampa Bay area with a new Tampa Bay Rays website and podcast. And why do we talk Rays? Because it's Tampa Bay, baby. We are in the epicenter of sports right now in North America with the Lightning Stanley Cup win, the Rays World Series appearance, and now those B-U-C-C-A-N-E-E-R-S, go Bucks, winning the Super Bowl. 
all within six months. And the Rays now ready to open up spring training and spring training action coming. And Steve Carney was right there on hand. Got a great new website to follow the Rays with. It'll tell you about stpete9.com. Uh, I love his insight, and he's going to talk about some other things, too, on the YouTube roundtable with Deshaun and me about the college hoops. Uh, we'll weave in and out the uh, the baseball and maybe uh, and maybe a couple of other things. So look forward to that on the roundtable. And then Brian is back in our final segment with more Saturday handicapping in college basketball. He's even got a UFC ultimate fighting underdog that he likes. But uh, Brian's got a couple of different Saturday underdogs in college hoops, and believe it or not, we are going to have conference tournaments being played next week across Division One and big-time college basketball. We'll have our first automatic bids going out in about nine or ten days. That's, uh, that's outstanding, and it will lead to 68 teams coming to the state of Indiana, most of the tournament to be played in and around Indianapolis, Indiana, in what is going to be the most unusual, wildest NCAA tournament ever for that reason and all the other reasons with COVID-19, the guidelines and everything that we've been through. Get ready, because there's, what, 34 automatic bids since the Ivy League chose not to play this year. Um, and and uh, and then, what, uh, 34 at-large teams that get a chance to get into the dance. So Brian and I will be talking a bunch about that up first, then the YouTube roundtable in the middle, then he and I are back at the end. I should make mention, if you have not done so already, make sure to subscribe to this podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. Locate Three Dog Thursday, subscribe. Great handicapping, great guests and interviews and insight. Love it here as part of uh, Three Dog Thursday. Or if you found us through Sports Gambling Podcast and uh, and their network of shows and sportsgamblingpodcast.com, thank you to Sean Green, Ryan Kramer. You'll uh, catch me talking to those guys periodically. Colby Dant will be back on this podcast soon. He's with the College Experience on the Sports Gambling Podcast network of shows. Colby and uh, Patty the C and, and all the guys on, this, on the College Experience break down college hoops big time. So thank you to the Sports Gambling Podcast, those guys, uh, for helping promote the show and what we do and have more and more of you find it. Again, uh, rate us and review us. More will find it that way. But thousands and thousands and thousands, uh, as January's numbers came in, are finding it, and we look for that to build. Obviously, the NFL playoffs had a big to-do about that and the, and the Super Bowl win by the Bucks. But now we hone in on the college basketball. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your relatives – uh, bring them in here because we're going to be picking underdogs and and uh, teams left and right. You'll hear me compliment Brian Edwards here in just a minute about how many underdogs he came up with. So that's what we do here as part of Three Dog Thursday. Um, all right, so we, we set the table that we've got some college hoops. We've got the baseball starting up. We've put the NFL uh, to bed. Uh, I'm such a sentimental guy right now uh, for a lot of different reasons. One of those, the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team anniversary was earlier this week as we come to you on Three Dog Thursday. So I've spent a lot of time going back and watching the uh, the, the incredible run they were on, the incredible win over the Russians uh, in, in the medal round and then eventually beating Finland, what turned out for the gold medal, two days later. Uh, love reminiscing and hearing Al Michaels and Al Michaels interviewed since then. Al Michaels on the call with Ken Dryden on ABC. Again, the two biggest misconceptions, I put this on social media, on Twitter and on Facebook, Follow me on Twitter at Buck Sideline Guy, B-U-C for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, at Buck Sideline Guy. You can find me on Facebook as well under my name, T-J-R-I-V-E-S. You can find me there. 
I put this out on social media because there are the two biggest misconceptions about what the USA hockey team did in, in 1980, the Miracle on Ice team. Number one, the game with the Russians wasn't shown live on ABC. It was shown tape delay, and the result had gotten out on the radio and through the wire services that the U.S. team had won as much as people were trying to hide from it. But it made it all the sweeter to watch that whole thing uh, unfold. It's just a different time. I mean, we can't fathom now that an event like that would not have been live somewhere on ESPN, on Fox, NBC, uh, and and their uh, networks. How would that game not have been on live? Remember now, no internet, no cell phones, primitive TVs that had the knob on them and only four channels, right? ABC, NBC, CBS, and PBS, it seemed like, were the only ones on the TV. So that's misconception number one. The game was on tape delay. The second misconception that almost everybody makes is the win over the Russians was not for the gold medal. They still had to come back and win the Sunday game. And by the way, in the truest sense of what they were doing in that hockey format from the International Hockey Federation and the Olympics, was it wasn't a true semifinal either on the Friday night where the U.S. played Russia and Finland played Sweden. It just turned out that in the round robin, that uh, the winners were going to play, and then in the other matchup, they were also going to play, and then they were going to go by how they had performed earlier in the tournament against the four medal round teams. And the U.S. had tied Sweden, and the Russians had beaten the Finns earlier in the pool play. And so what, what it actually means is if the U.S. had lost to Finland by the Russians clobbering the Swedes on that Sunday... The goal differential would have come into play, and the, and the Russians won like 9-2 to two over Sweden. The Russians would have been the gold medalist despite losing to the United States. That's why the legendary story of the late Herb Brooks looking at the U.S. players, the college-age students with Micah Ruzioni, the captain, Jim Craig, and goal, and all their stars that were all 20, 21, 22 years old. He told them when they were losing to Finland and getting ready to play the third period, this was it. That if you don't win this game, you will take this to your bleeping grave. And he turned around, he walked a couple of steps, turned around and said it again, to your bleeping grave. You will have beaten the Russians, but don't beat Finland. And the U.S. came from behind scoring three times in the final period in a game on Sunday morning that was televised. Uh, by ABC all over the country after the Friday night win. 11 a.m. Eastern time start, Central time 10 a.m. And the U.S. won the game with Finland. The Russians won after that. But the U.S. locked up the gold medal by beating the Finns in that 1980 Olympics. And again, it's been 41 years, but it's still chilling to hear Al Michaels uh, calling those games. Uh, The the famous, do you believe in miracles after the U.S. upset the Russians, having lost uh, 13 days earlier to the Russians at Madison Square Garden 10-3. They outplayed them, they outhustled them, they outscored them. Jim Craig made one fantastic save after another to keep a 2-1, 3-2 game from being 7-1, 8-2, 9-2, making huge saves. And Michael Ruzioni got the, got the clinching goal. But Michael's had the uh, do-you-believe-in-miracles call on that. And then at the end of the Finland game, I still love that call too which I'm sure he had time to work on it and, and practice what he was going to say if they could win the game. Uh, and in, in, that case, in that case, the impossible dream has come true. The U.S. wins the Olympic gold, and it still registers as the all-time sports upset, even bigger than Buster Douglas over Mike Tyson, 
uh, even though that's an individual thing in boxing in 1990 in Tokyo, Japan. It's, it's bigger than Villanova's uh, upset in college basketball of Georgetown in the national championship game as they slayed Patrick Ewing and the mighty Georgetown Hoyas playing a virtually perfect college basketball game in, in uh, April of 1985, five years after the Miracle on Ice. Yes, there have been stunning upsets uh, to, to try to comprehend on the, on the biggest scale, but nothing like what the U.S. hockey team did to the Russians and then beat the Finns uh, to win the gold. So anyway, I've been reminiscing about that. Uh, obviously, as I'm coming to you now, we're in the aftermath of Tiger Woods uh, and the horrific car crash that he was in in Southern California in the L.A. suburbs that happened, obviously, Tuesday morning early. Tiger has now had major reconstructive surgery on one of his legs, shattered bones, ankle fractures. Who knows if Tiger Woods can ever play competitive golf again? That's secondary right now to him still being alive. And I've said this on a couple of interviews. I'm going to say it on this podcast. Not just for his own health and safety as he sped down that hill near, uh, what is it called, Uh, Ranchos Palos Verdes, I think is how you say it. He was speeding down uh, a neighborhood and uh, and a hill in, in a bunch of subdivisions in a ritzy area of Southern California. Lost control somehow, some way. Never hit the brakes is what the authorities, the L.A. County sheriffs are saying. He never hit the brakes, went right over the median, went right over two lanes of traffic and down an embankment, rolling the vehicle multiple times. Lucky he wasn't killed. Lucky he didn't run into a tree, run into a telephone pole that he zipped right by. Could have been killed. We could be talking about the death of Tiger Woods right now. A much different tenor in this sports world this week if that was the case. Thankfully, he's not seriously hurt. And, and honestly, frankly, th- thankful he didn't kill somebody else coming the other way in the oncoming two lanes, blasting across them. And we'll find out from the investigation, did he fall asleep at the wheel? Was he not paying attention and lost control of the car? I find that hard to believe you don't slam on the brakes. Did he pass out? Tiger is known to take Ambien and other sleeping drugs. Was he drugged on something like that from a toxicology screen? And that's what caused him to black out and go across the median? He went across the median at a high rate of speed, some 700 feet down the hill, across the median, down the embankment, and never tried to stop, kids, like you're not awake when that's happening. Usually there's skid marks. Usually the the vehicle uh, veers quickly because there's an oversteer and you're trying to correct it. He went straight down across from what the investigators have said, straight down across the median on an angle, straight down an embankment. Just missing a tree. Blasted through a wooden sign in the median. Again, awful stuff. They, uh, Drew Brees and Justin Herbert were waiting for a made-for-TV golf uh, practice session and, uh, and lesson, essentially, from Tiger Woods at Riviera Country Club, where they just played the PGA Tour event this weekend, and Tiger hasn't been able to play because he's had another back surgery. And, of course, Tiger very famously had the torn ACL in the left knee in the late 2000s, around 2007 and eight. When he won the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines and won the PGA Tour playoffs and all the big events that he won down the stretch of that season, had a torn ACL. He's had back surgeries, plural, and now shattered right leg. It was originally reported that it was both legs, but apparently it's the right leg fracturing the tibia and the fibia in the right leg, shattering his ankle, complete reconstructive surgery. I mean, it's going to be months, months before Tiger Woods can be back on a golf course. This is not happening in April. Not for the master. It's not happening in May. Uh, if if uh, if it's anything like what the injuries sound like, and the doctors will talk more, it's probably not 2021 golf at all. Maybe late in the year if he can even try to do this. And at 45, 
The chapters keep coming for Tiger Woods. The chapters of, of comeback and redemption where he, he won the Tour Championship and then a few months later won at Augusta again for his 15th major. We, we don't know if he can ever play competitive golf again. So we got another new chapter with an injury. I, I hope it's not the end of his golf, but at least he's alive to be around with his kids and, and those around him. When you look at that vehicle, it's amazing that it wasn't worse. Amazing. So anyway, a little bit there on Tiger Woods. And we've got... Uh, so much else that's uh, that's going on that's taking place with the NBA season, the NHL season. We've got boxing this weekend as well with Canelo Alvarez back in the ring defending a super middleweight uh, world title uh, in his main event fight on DAZN, the streaming service, Saturday night from Miami. We'll talk a little bit briefly with that uh, with Brian Edwards later on in the show. But we got boxing for you this weekend. UFC is ongoing. The baseball will be here soon enough. What a time to be a sports fan in March and April, sure, for all of this that's going on. Anyway, we're here to cover it. Again, Brian Edwards straight ahead. YouTube Roundtable has Deshaun Tate and my buddy Steve Carney with me, breaking it all down on YouTube with the different subjects of basketball and baseball. Brian back in our final segment talking a bunch of weekend college hoops. Let's get it all started. Here we go. Indeed, final week of February, almost the month of March, and he cannot wait to dive in headfirst with me here for the games, not only midweek, but Saturday as well. That'll be coming later on in the show. From MajorWager.com and Vegas Insider, senior handicapper Brian Edwards is back here on Three Dog Thursday. Very nice from you last week as you came up with a couple of more uh, successful underdogs. You did have the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Uh, they did uh, they did the old backdoor cover in the final minute uh, at Michigan last Thursday night. And bravo, you were calling West Virginia all the way with all the hardship of, of travel and trying to get into Texas. And are they going to have power to be able to play the game? Uh, does West Virginia have the ability to stay in a hotel that's going to have power, that's going to have food? They made it work. And the Mountaineers were awful in the first half but came back and won the game. Two more successful underdogs for Brian Edwards uh, here on this show. My UConn game was a push uh, with Villanova because they were seven or half or eight, wherever you got it, and they lost by eight in that one. But you came through last Saturday. Anyway, Brian, good to have you back. And I, I can't believe we're saying that March is almost here, the regular season winding down in college basketball. How you feeling? How you doing? I'm feeling great. I, I, if you asked me this time yesterday, I would say I was feeling really, really great because in the NBA, I had gone 4-0 Sunday, 2-0 Monday. That 6-0 run had extended my run to 26-7 and since February 9th, which was a 78.8% clip. But then I promptly went 1-4 and in the NBA last night and 0-2 and in college. So, but... I, I had had a great week in college so far. It was just a really bad Tuesday. Yeah, well, so we just we just dust ourselves off and we move on. Uh, and again, we'll talk some about the Tuesday night games. Again, uh, Brian and I are taping prior to Three Dog Thursday, so we don't know the Wednesday night results. Although there's a couple of interesting games that we're going to talk about of pop up variety, where North Carolina, by the way, Wednesday night playing Marquette at home out of the Big East, and Houston on Thursday night playing the top team in Conference USA, Western Kentucky. Both of those games have been made in the last few days. Of hey, let's just play a game. Uh, this week so we like that so we'll get into all of that um all right so we're going to talk more on the youtube roundtable here coming up in the middle segment with deshaun tate uh, as i've been mentioning deshaun of tate's take uh the hoops podcast and video show he's in east lansing 
But I'll go ahead and and get your thought on what the Spartans have done with the win at Indiana Saturday, the impressive home win over top five Illinois Tuesday night. To you, they they look to be coming alive. What did you see out of them as they took it to Illinois and and are now trying to make a case for an at-large bid in the NCAA tournament Michigan State? Well, I'll just say that all the Blue Bloods that I've been kind of mocking for months uh, and enjoying their uh, – I don't have it. I love it, though. But, you know, the Dukes and Kentuckys of the world, all of them see to be coming on at the right t- time. Was, well, you know, Michigan State, uh, back-to-back wins and seven-point dogs. Dukes ripped off four in a row. Kentucky blowing out Tennessee, I believe they're either th- – I think they're three in a row. Uh, these Blue Bloods are starting to come alive, but now this is going to be a very quick turnaround for Sparty as they are a four-point home underdog to Ohio State, but no travel. And although Ohio State's had several days of rest, they're obviously off their heartbreaker uh, to Michigan on Sunday, which I think was the best college basketball game I've watched all year. But Michigan State, you know, they're 64 in Ken Palm. Uh, if they get a, a win over Ohio State here, they are all of a sudden right back in the convo with a game at Maryland and a game uh, that I think they'll be favored at home against Indiana, and then two against Michigan if they could get a split there. So maybe all these Blue Bloods are going to end up making Kansas had won five in a row, and they lose a heartbreaker in OT to, to Texas. So all the Blue Bloods are starting to – come on after just a nightmare campaign for the most part well and we talked about duke last week seven days ago on this very podcast on three dog thursday and maybe it is addition by subtraction that jalen johnson is gone because they certainly took it to uh, Syracuse on Monday night, uh, and the and the Blue Devils having already beaten Virginia as well on Saturday night, in a great win for them at home. They're now making a case. Uh, and you mentioned Kentucky, who still at the moment is what five games below five hundred, and they've only got a couple of regular season games left. I believe I have that correct. I'll double check in just a second. But um, for the Wildcats, they may not have as many opportunities like Michigan State or Duke down the stretch here besides the conference tournament because, again, Kentucky is not playing a game this week. Texas A&M is unable to play them because of COVID-19. So that game is uh, postponed. And so my point is John Calipari's team may not get many chances. Then again, the Kentucky uh, wins at the end here may say something to the committee which has already said brian we're going to keep repeating this we will consider teams with a losing record in this crazy covid 19 2021 season because everybody's had games go away go games go on pause not be able to play as many games they will consider teams with a losing record now they've left that open-ended will you consider teams that have that are three games below or four games below to put them in at large kentucky may test that brian we'll see yeah, we, we'll see, but I, I certainly would rather a, a team like a Western Kentucky get in before a Kentucky, and Western Kentucky uh, goes to Houston tomorrow night on the road as a 12-point underdog. They already have a win that is aged like fine wine since December 19th, <laughs> a win at Alabama, a neutral win over your alma mater, Memphis. Yep. Um, only a six-point loss to West Virginia – if you have a road win over uh, currently number five in Ken Palm Houston and currently number eight in Ken Palm Alabama, and you're that would leave them at sixteen and four and likely to win their next four to be twenty and four. If they lose their conference tournament, I would be sickened. If they 
have wins at Houston and at um, Alabama, and then would like not get in over one one below five hundred or whatever. Right. You know, Kentucky under five hundred. Period. That would stink. Yeah, so Western Kentucky, again, is the top team in Conference USA, and Houston agreed to play them and really did them a favor here in terms of the net ranking, the NCAA's mathematical power ranking here, because it gives them an opportunity, Western Kentucky, at another quad one win. They have two of them already, like you mentioned. If they can get this one on the road, enormous for their resume, even if they don't win their tournament. Back to Kentucky, they are at the moment 8-13. and 13. Brian Edwards, MajorWager.com. Does it surprise you that John Calipari didn't try to scare up a game the same way that Houston did, the same way that North Carolina is doing on Wednesday night at the time that we're taping. We don't know the result of North Carolina and Marquette, but they put that game together on about three or four days' notice for Marquette out of the Big East to come to Chapel Hill. Does it surprise you that Kentucky didn't try to find somebody on the high-ranking mid-major level that was available somewhere to come play them at Rupp Arena midweek this week before they play Florida on the weekend? Um, yeah. Uh, yes, and well, I just without having a list of the teams, knowing who might be available, I don't want to dog out for Calipari. But if there was somebody available, it, like you said, like on the high end of the mid majors, yeah, I would, I would think that would be very strange for them not uh, to do that, especially considering they've won three in a row. They could potentially win these next two. You add another game. You know, hopefully against the Ken Palm top 100 type of team. Um, and, you know, that adds another win. Yeah, that would be terrible if they weren't with it. But I don't have the list of teams that are available, so I can't really, you know. Well, you right. Know I mean? and, and, again, it's kind of hit and miss because in the case of Western Kentucky, they have a game that they're not able to play this week because of COVID-19. That's what made them available to be able to play Houston, right. who's in the same boat out of the American Conference. So, it has been a bit of a hodgepodge. I mean, the good news, I've seen several people pointing this out, and we need to repeat it here on the Three Dog Thursday podcast, is that most of the games have been played. By and large, it's like over 85% going into this week. 85% of the games at the Division One level have been played, and a bunch of them are being scrambled and made up here in the last couple of weeks of the season, the last two, three weeks of the season. You mentioned Michigan and Michigan State are going to play each other twice. Uh, as part of the makeup with Michigan having missed one of those matchups earlier uh, because of COVID-19. We will miss miss out on a Michigan-Illinois game. We're also missing out on West Virginia-Baylor. Now, this one was rescheduled because of Baylor being on COVID pause, but the Big 12 basically decided... They're not going to have that game here on Thursday. And Baylor came off the COVID pause after three weeks and looked rusty and was losing a lot of that game at home in in Waco to Iowa State, a winless Big 12 team. But, I, I, I mean, I know that part of the motivation is they're trying to protect Baylor for the stretch run, and Baylor already has to play Kansas at Kansas on Saturday in an early game. Did it surprise you, Brian Edwards, that they they put that on the board, West Virginia Baylor, for Thursday night, the 25th, and now the Big 12 elected to take that game off the board and say, no, we're not going to make Baylor in particular play this one? Uh, it, it On the surface, it surprises me, but I know that I don't know all of the details, and so therefore, again, I hesitate to blast somebody because, you know, it, it keeps uh, this – stuff on such lockdown secretive information that i you know <laughs> well i can help to this extent 
I can help to this extent. All right, so they both played Tuesday night. The reason the Big 12 had rescheduled it was West Virginia was remaining in Texas playing, or uh, yes, remaining in Texas, having played in Austin Saturday, having played TCU on Tuesday night. They were going to remain in Texas to play Baylor on Thursday. Baylor playing Iowa State at home was then going to have to play Kansas in an early game on Saturday. And the, and the Big 12 obviously decided that the risk of Baylor, who's undefeated and has a chance to be a number one seed, for them losing this game and maybe maybe it affecting them for the Kansas game, they wanted to give them some extra time, I guess, to get ready for Kansas because yeah. they wiped it right back off the board. Yeah, you didn't want them to play three games in five days. Um, I, don't, I don't know that I necessarily – and I'm not saying that's what you were implying just now, but I, I don't know that I would buy the premise that the Big 12 – wants to keep Baylor undefeated and wants them to be a one seed. I, I don't know that I buy that because, I mean, if West Virginia beats them and, you know, you know West Virginia's still in the mix for like a three or a two seed and they got tons of teams that are going to the tournament. So I, I don't know that I would buy that premise, but, again, I'm not implying you were implying. Right. I, wa- I want to hear the explanation if it's not that because, again, it's not COVID-19 related. Both programs are able to play and did play Tuesday night and will be playing this weekend. So – uh, again, it's one of those where they've rescheduled some other Big 12 games as well while taking this one off the board for the end of the year and trying to get creative. All right, few more moments here with Brian. He will be back talking Saturday underdog possibilities. And again, we don't have the lines for Saturday, but we have pretty good ideas of who's going to be underdogs. And there's a bevy of important games for Saturday. Let's get back into Thursday night. How attractive are the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers in that matchup in H-Town, in Houston, with the top team in the American, the Houston Cougars, who've already shown some vulnerability because Wichita State beat them uh, last week uh, in Wichita. This is a home game situation. How attractive is Western Kentucky getting 12 points Thursday night, Brian? Um, I'm not going to say it's like going to be a huge play for me, but Charles Bassey, you know, uh, he... Was he a five-star? He must, he was he a very high four-star. Like, when Stansberry got him, everybody's like, oh, old Rich Stansberry, he's back. <laughs> you remember, remember yeah, like, the Monte Ellis's of the world? Like, there's all those Mississippi kids that before one and done, they never made it to Mississippi State. They all signed with Stansberry. But then there were lottery fakes in the NBA and never made it to college. Stansberry, uh, he knows how to get some high-profile guys. But then Bassey got – he came back after his freshman year, and then he had a season-ending injury early last year, so he comes back again. But, you know, this guy's a, a all-American level uh, player and a big space eater in the paint. Uh, they've won six in a row. Uh, again, I told you they won at Alabama. They beat a top 100 team in Rhode Island. They beat your alma mater. They swept Marshall, who's number 68 in Ken Palm. So, um, yeah, I think uh, Western Kentucky plus 12 will be a play for me. Now, I, I, it won't be like a strong amount-wise play for me unless it were to balloon up to 14-15, uh, and hopefully it does. All right, and again, uh, for the Hilltoppers, they lead Conference USA. This would be an enormous road quad one win if they can get it. Uh, also on Thursday night, Iowa at Michigan. That game also a 7 Eastern game, just like the Western Kentucky-Houston game. Iowa getting points, getting 3.5 at Michigan, who looks so great on Sunday, uh, as you mentioned, with the big guy Dickinson in middle. Uh, they've got good three-point shooters, including Isaiah Livers, where they put 92 on the board against Ohio State. 
I, I'm not sensing that you like Iowa and the three and a half, the no. three or the three and a half here for Thursday night Big Ten. No, and in fact, I, um, I, I yeah, stay away from Iowa as a dog unless the spread heavily adjusts. Uh, in fact, maybe fade the dog if, if the number stays similar. All right, and, and but so can I interest you in Michigan State, same state, but this is the Breslin Center, not the Chrysler Center in Ann Arbor, hosting Ohio State off that loss to Michigan. Again, we began the conversation that Michigan State appears to be coming alive. You're concerned what kind of legs do they have maybe in this game because Ohio State did, did not play Tuesday. Michigan State's kind of in the makeup mode as well, playing some makeup games. This is a third Michigan State game in in five days, as you pointed out, uh, at playing Ohio State. And Ohio State favored by four and a half on the road against Sparty. Does that interest you for Three Dog Thursday purposes for the Spartans on Thursday night? Uh, at, at not to make a bet on. It does intrigue me because I've been very bullish on Ohio State all year. But after seeing Michigan State's last two performances, and, and I think you know we talked about this three or four weeks ago, you know, is those teams – often have little slumps, but they don't last as long as this one's lasted. But then when they get out of that slump, they get hot as a firecracker. And just out of respect for Izzo uh, and Aaron Henry playing extremely well in these last couple games, I don't I don't think I'll be on Ohio State tomorrow um, just because uh, I, I, I fear a hot Izzo team, and they seem like they're, they're maybe poised to make a, a run. We'll see. Very interesting. couple of West Coast games of interest. USC, the top team in the Pac-12, just bushwhacked Oregon and blew them out Monday night in a Pac-12 game. Oregon, again, has been on COVID pause. That was a makeup date. Now USC at Colorado Thursday night. Again, I backed the Buffs, and they lost to Oregon in a close game. I didn't get the cover. Uh, at Eugene, Colorado, the home favorite. I, I'm kind of interested in USC there uh, in that game. Again, Andy Enfield's got a couple of NBA-caliber players. They're the top team in the conference. Very They're getting good. points for a, for a rare time. We'll look at that one. You're interested in another Western game in San Diego, Mountain West, San Diego State, and Boise State. Boise State now the top team after taking care of Utah State in both wins last week. They're now going to play San Diego State twice in Southern California Thursday and Saturday. Brian, a little more analysis here. And are you interested in Boise State, who's getting seven as the underdog in the Thursday night game for right now? Well, uh, San Diego State has won eight in a row, but their back end of their schedule is like Boise State's front end. I mean, they've been playing the, the you know, the dregs of the uh, – Mountain West. Boise State, um, and I see the number is seven now. Uh, they've only been an underdog twice this year. They lost by um, by uh, 10 at Houston in the opener as a 12-point dog and covered. And then they went to BYU December 9th, and they won a 74-70 game as a three-point underdog. And they've been a favorite uh, every game since. So catching seven, an 18-4 and four Boise team, I'll take Leon Rice's squad. Uh, their only losses all year, um, they they lost uh, back-to-back games to Nevada and Reno. They lost at Colorado State, who's 66 in Ken Palm. By the way, Nevada is 96 in Ken Palm, so they are top 100. And then at Houston, those are the only games that they have uh, uh, lost. So uh, I like Boise State. They're off two nice wins over Utah State. 
and uh, I, I like Boise State plus seven. And again, in the Mountain West case, where we're talking about the NCAA net rankings, San Diego State 23 and Boise State 32 in the net. So they both have strong at-large cases, again, because of the scheduling, and a lot of conferences have done this. San Diego State gets Boise State twice at home. If Boise can get either one of those, that's another quad one win for them. Um, that would be their third, as you were mentioning. San Diego State does not have a quad one win. This would be a quad one win or maybe two of them if the Aztecs win both of the games. And again, Utah State now 56 in the net off the two Boise losses. Colorado State, who you mentioned last week, 45 in the net. Could the Mountain West get three teams? We'll see, depending on the automatic bid and who gets it. We'll see, but keep an eye on Boise and San Diego State. One final thought there, Brian? Well, I just said, I, I, I was going to say I saw Lunardi had Colorado State uh, in his last four in yesterday, but then he updated it this morning, and Colorado State was in his first four out. Uh, he had San Diego State and Boise State somewhat comfortably somewhat comfortably in. like They weren't going to be in a first four game in Dayton. But if either of them were to get swept by each other this weekend – the other would the, the team getting swept would be very bubbly and we're going to say this so many times this week next week etc who do you beat in the conference tournament on the neutral floor even if you don't win the tournament because there's some teams that will help their resume in a matter of like 30 hours or 28 hours because they get two wins on a neutral floor against two really good teams depending on who it is i mean a colorado state for example could maybe uh, you know beat a boise state and maybe a utah state without winning the automatic bid but that might be enough to help them at large sure. as a neutral floor sure. win just as an example we'll see if that's the case brian stand by much more with you later on the saturday games and more underdogs youtube roundtable coming up with my man deshaun tate talking more college hoops steve carney here talking major league baseball and my american league champion tampa bay rays beginning spring training this week they're on the roundtable coming up as we roll on but first let's talk more about our friends at betql with the super bowl over and done with we're turning our attention now to college basketball the nba the nhl and if you want an inside edge for who the pros are backing, you need to check out BetQL. They've got algorithms that have simulated all kinds of different games, all the different angles, tons of sportsbook offers that they have on the site. Just go to the App Store or the Google Play Store, download the BetQL app, and get the opportunity to go and play. And we're going to make it worth your while because if you enter the promo code SGP30, you'll get 30% off of your first subscription. That promo code again is SGP30 at betql.com get the edge they've got you covered they've got all the great info over at betql it's betql.com promo code sgp30 we are also brought to you in part by better than dot vegas it's an all new completely free website sharing thousands of handicapping videos it's like youtube but it's for what the DGens only care about. Of course, the DGens only all part of the Sports Gambling Podcast, the network fleet of shows. The best part is you get to watch all the video picks from the Sports Gambling Podcast network crew and what they're posting exclusively over on Better Than Vegas. They cover all sports, the NFL, college football, college basketball, NBA will be here soon as well. If the free video picks aren't enough, they're giving away cash. $1,000 to the handicapper that wins the most units and $1,000 to the handicapper that has the most followers. 
make sure you subscribe on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network page, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. Better than Vegas, BTV, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV so you don't miss out on any of these videos. Head over to betterthan.vegas. That's betterthan.vegas to see more. We're also brought to you in part by Better Edge, the stock exchange for sports bets that allows you to buy and sell betting positions live like the stock market. And the best part is it allows you to bet with no VIG since you're buying positions from other sports bettors and there is no house. You can play for money in 40 states and they're doing weekly college basketball contests right now. We're talking tons of hoops from here on out here on Three Dog Thursday. And on Wednesday and Saturday, pay 10 bucks to enter and each user starts with a balance of $1,000 in edge coins to wager on the games. The player with the highest earnings takes the entire pool of entry fees. It's like a battle royal winner take all. Find the link under the competitions tab to get in for just 10 bucks. Sign up today at betteredge.com. Use our promo code SGP. Get that free $10 bet as well. That's B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com. Promo code SGP. Dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. We do continue along. It is the Three Dog Thursday roundtable on YouTube. Come find what we look like via the YouTube roundtable show. Just search for Three Dog Thursday. You're only hearing us again on the audio podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, however you found us. Come see what we look like. I am merely the somewhat competent ringleader of the roundtable. Let's welcome in special guest. First up, he's smiling ear to ear, but I do not see him wearing anything Michigan State, despite being in East Lansing on the day after at the time that we're taping, Michigan State got a huge win over Illinois. What is up, Deshaun Tate, Mr. Tate's Take Hoops? Uh, because your, your Sparties are looking good, but you got no Michigan State stuff up right now. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for uh, having me on and sharing this space with me. Shh, don't say anything about Michigan State winning too okay. loud or they're going to uh, probably find a way to, uh, to, to, to dump it somehow. But I figure like this. Listen, you wear Michigan State every day all season long. They play like crap. You don't wear any Michigan State. They win games. So I'm going to go with this look for now. Superstition. <laughs> that is good. And we should point out to the audience that I am superstitiously now putting on the Tampa Bay Rays hat for the defending American League champions, which are back in spring training to bring them luck. Currently over my shoulder, come find us on the YouTube page, the two-time Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers hats from both 2002 and from the 2020 season. And that helps me segue uh, into a longtime radio friend here in the Tampa Bay area, Steve Carney, who's been putting up with me on and off the air for the better part of about 15 years. Brother Carney, a, a jack of all trades, does a great job with a lot of different stuff. Uh, including we're going to talk some Tampa Bay Rays with him, but you were part of our Tampa Bay radio uh, broadcast for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers radio network all the way through, all the way through a lot of losing and a lot of losing years. And now to a Super Bowl, Steve Carney. So I know we, we've got you here to talk a lot of baseball, but we got to be loving that the Bucs are the champs as well. Welcome, my friend. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's it's been a long time. I mean, you think about it. I did uh, nine or 10 seasons uh, of Buccaneers football with you 
We had one winning season prior to this year and zero playoff appearances <laughs> and to go all the way through Super Bowl 55 in our home stadium and to destroy the Kansas City Chiefs as uh, profoundly as what happened with that 31-9 victory and Tom Brady getting another Super Bowl title. And then all the celebration that went on afterwards, it was all worth it. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, again, Deshaun, sorry, we have to keep poking our chest out. We're the epicenter of pro sports right now. Forget about Los Angeles with the Lakers and the Dodgers. We got a Stanley Cup, babe, and for the audience, we got a Rays World Series appearance, and now we got a Bucks Super Bowl win. It is Champa Bay, C-H, Champa Bay right now in and around where we are. All right, so speaking of championships, they will head to March, and, and the greatest event, I believe, Deshaun agrees, Steve might slightly disagree because he's a baseball guy, spring training, et cetera. The NCAA tournament is looming. It will be as unusual and wild as any tournament we've had this upcoming. We had been debating whether the tournament might not have a Duke, might not have a Kentucky, and it still might not have a Kentucky, and it might not have a Michigan State. But right now, the Blue Bloods are coming alive, including, as I share the screen right here, someone's Michigan State Spartans on Tuesday night. We're showing this to the YouTube audience. Looked fantastic against fifth-ranked Illinois. Look at Tom Izzo with the mask off, wanting his guys to play better defense as we look at this on the YouTube roundtable. The Spartans came to life. Deshaun, you are there in East Lansing, seeing it firsthand as we speak. Why are they playing better, and what kind of hope are you giving them to make a run here to get into the NCAA tournament? Well, their backs are up against the wall, and it's almost March, so you typically know what that means. It's almost Tom Izzo in Michigan State time, one of the uh, programs that you hardly ever want to face uh, around that time of the year, and I know that it's been obviously a lot different uh, this year. But listen, I mean, the, the reality is that um, while they still have some point guard issues and, uh, and, and still some front court contribution and production issues, uh, they have some guys on the wing that's playing really good for them not right now. Uh, Aaron Henry being one of them, Gabe Brown, they're finding a way to lock down a little bit better defensively, maybe not fantastic or the old Michigan State way where they go and clean glass on the backboards, uh, but certainly that they're playing better defense anyways. Uh, and finding a little bit more balance with some of the offense. Again, nothing great, nothing typical Michigan State, but just taking steps, even if they're baby steps, in the right direction. I think that's one of the bigger reasons why. And uh, listen, they've got a huge, huge, huge slate in front of them. I mean, we just finished talking about the Illinois game. They've got Ohio State coming up uh, on tomorrow in the next 24 hours. Uh they're double dipping with Michigan in there somewhere. They've got two games on that schedule as well. So it's, it's going to be interesting. If I tell you what, if Michigan state does not get into the NCAA tournament, much like much unlike other teams, it's not going to be because they didn't have their opportunities and chances. Well, yeah, there's no doubt down the stretch of the season. And Duke is a team taking advantage of those opportunities because I believe they've won four games in a row since Jalen Johnson, arguably their best player departed uh, Kentucky has come around. In fact, Steve Carney loves this. He's a pro wrestling brother from another mother like I am. Deshaun dips into this every once in a while. We'll show this on the screen. I, I saw this from someone else, so I had to share the screen. There it is, just like The Undertaker. <laughs> the Blue Bloods, Duke, Kentucky, and Michigan State, right about time for March. That We're all about this, Steve Carney, right now. we we got to have the better teams in the tournament, and even though – all of them have been questionable, and, and Kentucky is still four games below 500 right now. Although the NCAA selection committee says they will still consider teams with a losing record, 
it will be like the undertaker maybe for Duke, Kentucky and Michigan state, Stephen. that's not a bad thing. No, it's not a, it's not a bad thing at all. And, you know, I think that the, the tournament it's, it's going to benefit the, the more recognizable names uh, are involved in it. I mean, as much as, you know, we all love Gonzaga and Baylor and Florida state, uh, and even Virginia, the, you know, the defending national champions. And we have to say that even though it was two years ago, cause there was no tournament last year, having Mike Krzyzewski, having John Calipari and having uh, Tom Izzo in the tournament is going to be, is going to be tremendous. Deshaun, I, I've, I've got a question for you when it comes to the tournament though, because okay. Gonzaga and Baylor have been so amazing this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would say I can, I will give you the choice. You can have Gonzaga and Baylor or the field. Which side are you taking? Ooh. I'm taking I'm taking the field. And one of the bigger reasons, I believe, is because I think we saw some deficiencies on last night against Iowa State from Baylor. I think that uh, Gonzaga, while they do have the high octane and explosive offensive firepower, uh, they have some hidden defensive deficiencies in their own right. And I think when you when they find a way to match up against some of these more athletic yet still experienced and disciplined teams uh, that uh, later on in the tournament in a winner go home situation, I think that there's a chance that they might struggle. Plus, it probably helps that I have uh, 66 other teams to choose from, which I guess <laughs> always benefits a little bit too so uh, I definitely take the field on that one it's crazy that you guys are even mentioning this about some of these blue blood programs because I don't even want to know what it would even look like if we're talking about maybe potentially having a college football playoff without Alabama and Clemson Ohio State and Oklahoma and Notre Dame and all these teams it would look crazy but we all know what runs this thing I'm channeling my inner Johnny Manziel right now it's all about the <laughs> almighty dollar and I will say this, TJ, I want to make sure I say this right here on your platform. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw either uh, Michigan State and or Duke, maybe uh, the the NCAA may be trying to drive some of that revenue and have one of those teams, if not both of them, play in the first four somehow. And that has been kicked around, and Kentucky might be a candidate for that too, especially if they're two or three games below 500, depending on what happens. And so again, in the chronology of this, They are now going to play the first four games in Indianapolis, what's known as the first four, all on one night, not two separate nights in Dayton, Ohio. They're going to play them in Indianapolis on Thursday night, and then they're going to start the tournament on Friday the next day and play five days in a row. So they're going to put the winners on Thursday night into the tournament on Thursday, on uh, Saturday, Thursday, Saturday, right into it. And you're right. They may drum up interest, and there might be two of that group. I don't think all three of that group, but Duke – Duke maybe stands to be in better shape than Michigan State or Kentucky to not be in the first four, but they very well might have Kentucky, Michigan State on the first night, on the Thursday night, first four night before they play five straight days of the tournament, and we can't wait for all of that to unfold. All right, so you're hearing from Deshaun Tate, Mr. Tate's Take Hoops. Steve Carney, who's at Steve Carney, C-A-R-N-E-Y, on Twitter, also does a fantastic job uh, covering baseball. And lo and behold, as I wear the Tampa Bay Rays hat, my man Steve Carney, as we share the screen, was out at Rays spring training, I should say south of where we are, about two hours. We're showing it to the YouTube audience you're, you were channeling your Jim Nance while we're channeling things. Hello, friends. Hello, That's exactly old friends. Right. Spring training and you just go together. This is what, your 11th, your 13th, your 27th year covering spring training? I can't keep track. 
but you were down there with the Rays in Port Charlotte, Florida, about two hours south of Tampa Bay, and there they are. Uh, Brett Phillips and Randy Arozarena from the, the race uh, playoff run last year. Uh, Brandon Lau, uh, there's the guys taking batting price. Steve, what was this like to be in and around the Rays in spring training on a Tuesday of this week as everything started to crank up with, with players reporting in the Grapefruit League in Florida? It's been very different, TJ, because you know, on, in years past and even in 2020 when, uh, when practices were going on, it's this was pre-pandemic and we were allowed to stand on the fields with the players. We would, you know, go back and forth. There's some good natured ribbing between uh, the guys that we knew and meeting some of the guys that we didn't know uh, and getting to make those relationships. We don't have that this year. They've had us cordoned off. Uh, there's been a minimum of 12 feet uh, of social distancing between us and the players. They've got these ropes out. You know, uh, I we had people talking about it kind of reminded them of, you know, Bush Gardens or Disney World or Disneyland where you're where you're inside the ropes waiting to get on the ride. And unfortunately, there's no ride at the end. It's just us standing there and watching these guys at a distance trying to take pictures. You saw some of the pictures that I was able to take there. Those are shots from, you know, 45, 50, 90, 150 feet away uh, trying to get shots uh, of some of these guys as they're walking in. Uh, but it, it was nice to be out there. It was nice to be around these guys for the first time because everything's been over Zoom for the better part of the last year, almost a full calendar year now that we've been doing nothing but Zoom. So to see these and guys- me, And let me interject. Face -face so great. like a year ago, uh, when the baseball season played, you weren't allowed even around them down on the field for batting practice, none of that. But at least here in spring training, socially distanced, it's a little different. You were allowed to be in the vicinity of them just in a special section, not anywhere close to coming in contact because of the COVID-19 protocols and guidelines that baseball has. Is that accurate? Yeah. Last year it was, we were cordoned off in the press box high above the field. We weren't allowed anywhere near uh, the fields. You know, we weren't even allowed in the, in the, uh, in the seating bowl, uh, never mind uh, on the field with these guys, but to be at, at the same level as a lot of these guys and having them come over and saying hi to us uh, was was something that it's like you you realize how much you take it for granted working in this business. Yeah, it's it just to that point, Deshaun, and just indulging us here, the Three Dog Thursday audience as well. When I got right after the Super Bowl, and Steve again was the technical producer running the whole broadcast, and I don't know that you even know this part of the story, but when I got down near Levante David, Cameron Braid, and Leonard Fournette, three of the Buccaneer postgame guests, to be able to do interviews with a boom mic 10 feet away from them, that is the first time that I had had any interaction individually with any players in the postgame show of the Super Bowl for the entire season. Levante David's face, Steve, lit up when he saw me because that's the first time he had seen me and been around me in a year now as we like to joke Deshaun uh, and for the audience whenever usually people see Steve Carney they are wanting to run the other way and want to be 12 <laughs> feet from him or 50 feet from him and the same with me we've got faces for radio they don't want to be around us anyway so we're good with social distancing but it is just unusual trying to do your job and Deshaun just back to you real quick it's going to be the same thing around these conference tournaments it's going to be the same thing around the NCAA tournament where reporters are not going to have access in and around the court or in and around the players, it's my understanding the closest that anybody might get is like 30 feet distanced in a press conference setting. You're not going to have any interaction like normal, Deshaun. We just have to get used to the new normal right now and take what we can get to play the games and play the tournaments, right? Deshaun, follow up on that, please. 
30 feet or 30,000 feet. I'm just happy to be able to say that we can actually have some madness to put along with the month of March and 25% of the attendance being able to uh, attend uh, the um, the NCAA tournament, which I think is good because that's something I don't really think a lot of people really take into uh, into effect of the NCAA tournament. One of those teams are going on a run or something like that, and you're usually seeing everybody kind of standing up from the edge of their seats and under two minutes or one minute remaining, and you don't really have that, so it's going to seem weird. Also, even the band, I'm not sure where things stand with even the band even being able to have opportunities because they make much of the NCAA tournament as well. Here's the part that I love about the NCAA tournament outside of Selection Sunday, though, TJ, uh, with um, the outside of the fact that it does tend to bring everybody together, office pools, all shades of different people coming from different places and different walks of life that there's all, and think about this. I thought about this the other night. There's always, when it comes to March madness with the upsets and buzzer beaters and so forth, there's always that one game that makes you just completely crumble up your bracket. You throw it in the wastebasket. I'm done with this. I can't take it anymore. It's playing with my emotions and my heart. Little do you know, while you think that's the game, that's not even the one that really does. It. It's the one coming after that right. one that's just going to make you now put it all in the shreds, light it up on fire and well, watch it just like a regular fan. And while yours is blown up, there are a bunch of other people <laughs> celebrating that win. And then yes. theirs, yes. theirs is blown up in their bracket yep. and you might be yep. succeeding for a little <laughs> while, but the upsets... The upsets, they're going to be coming in March, for sure. Mis misery doesn't love company any more than it does, like the way it does during the NCAA tournament. And I Tell me about this, it. Yes, and I say this all the time. <laughs> the ones that are the less educated, the secretaries in the office that have no idea, mm -hmm. the, those mm -hmm. that don't pay attention and pick by the colors and by the mascots tend to do better. <laughs> By and large, over the course of the 60, whatever it is, 67 games that will be played, they tend to sure. do better almost by flipping a coin uh, than what I we think do. They, I, I think this year, TJ, I think I'm going to base mine off of uh, the better uh, vacation destination or something like that. That, that might be good. <laughs> now, and in, some, and in some cases, you know, that would be like, uh, you know, Florida teams, UCLA, depending on where it mm -hmm. is. But So you're saying Creighton's out in the first round. Yeah, yeah Creighton. <laughs> Spokane, Washington for Gonzaga, not exactly vacation destination. And a good point, Steve. Uh, you know, <laughs> Omaha, Nebraska, probably not. Lansing, Michigan, depending on time of the year, probably not. True. Same, same thing, State, Syracuse. Yeah. New, yeah, Utah State, no. <laughs> but it, it's a good point. All right, a couple of minutes left here on the Three Dog Thursday Roundtable, I want to plug a couple of more things. So first of all, Steve, you're writing about this on your brand new website, and I'm going to show uh, the audience. Check out Steve's site uh, for Tampa Bay Rays Baseball. We're taking a look at it right now on the screen on the YouTube Roundtable, stpete9.com. There it is. Nice work, young man. St. Pete 9, very clever for the nine players on a baseball field. Uh, stpete9.com has info now if those speaking of Deshaun saying vacation if those are looking to come to Florida and a lot of people by the tens of thousands if not the hundreds of thousands have been coming to Florida if you're coming to try to see some of spring training baseball Steve real quick the Rays released some spring training ticket info several other teams did at least for Florida I don't know what they're doing in Arizona but enlighten us a little bit if they're coming to Florida in and around any of this in March for sure they, they can go to a game, limited fan attendance, social distancing, right? Yeah, and we learned this morning here uh, on, this, on this Wednesday that uh, the Rays have, have announced their tickets. They will go on sale Friday morning at 10 o'clock. Everything is going to be online. 
Uh, they're going to be available in pods of two and four uh, with social distancing involved. Talking with Ray's president, Matt Silverman, yesterday, there's not a exact number for capacity wise, but it looks like it's probably going to be somewhere between a thousand and twelve hundred uh, tickets that will be sold. Uh, they've got social distancing going on on the berms as well uh, on the grassy areas uh, along both the uh, the first base and the third base lines. So those will be available as well. Uh, those, as I said, those tickets will go on sale Friday morning. Everything is going to be mobile. Everything is going to be online. Masks are going to be mandatory unless you're actively eating or drink, drinking in your seats. Uh, but it's just going to be awesome to have fans back in the stands for, for Rays games. We didn't get that at all last year at Tropicana Field. In fact, the Rays didn't have fans at, at all until they got to the World Series against the Dodgers. Uh, and was and at, so, can I interject? It was absolutely bizarre that they made our beloved baseball team, and it is a Rays love fest right now on Three Dog Thursday. That's right. Go all the way out to an empty stadium in San Diego, California, and play the New York Yankees and the Houston Astros in San Diego, 3,000 miles away from Tampa Bay. It was crazy, but at least they did, as you mentioned, have some fans in Arlington, Texas. And so other teams around, whether it's the Yankees in Tampa, the teams down south of Tampa Bay, uh, you know, Red Sox, help me out here, Steve. The who Twins, I'm out. The, the Orioles, Twins. Pirates, well, Phillies, the East Coast Jays. of Florida, they're going to have what? The Nationals, the Mets, the, the Astros. Some of them are going to have fans at the different games for spring training. And then when the, the games begin, it's going to be up to each individual team, their city and county government, the health officials on whether they're allowing anybody there. That's correct. Uh, but at least we'll have some. It appears yeah. right now, Steve. Yeah, it looks. Yeah, it looks like uh, most of the most of the teams in Florida will have somewhere between a thousand and fifteen hundred fans for spring training. Uh, done mostly the same way uh, at uh, Marlins Park, where the Rays will open the season uh, against Miami on April first. They're looking at having, uh, I I believe, Derek Jeter, their owner. Uh, mentioned a 20% capacity, which is about 7,200 fans. The Rays have said at Tropicana Field, they'll have about 7,000 fans uh, tickets available for their uh, for the season, at least to start. And then as the vaccine rolls out and the numbers go down for COVID-19, they can look at revisiting, expanding capacity as long as the, uh, as long as the state and county governments uh, deem it feasible for the for the uh fans to be in in the uh in the ballparks which interesting awesome. too that we're showing the youtube audience at the toronto blue jays who have trained in dunedin florida <laughs> that is a saint petersburg clearwater kind of nebulous area of uh, of pinellas county uh doomed in as we also nickname it they've been training over in pinellas county for 40 50 years they're actually yeah, not only the beginning Right. So, uh, yeah, since their inception right in the in the 70s. So they're actually going to begin the regular season and play in the spring training stadium. Correct, Steve? We're showing it on the screen on the YouTube roundtable, at least for the beginning of the year uh, in Toronto. And the, and the real issue, again, is going back and forth across the Canadian border. That's why the Toronto Raptors have been playing in Champa Bay right now. Deshaun is nodding along with that because teams can't go back and forth to Canada to play them. Them trying to go back to, to Canada and then come back to the United States is problematic. So, uh, again, this is a wild time. None of the Canadian hockey teams are playing uh, anybody other than themselves because they can't go back and forth in the NHL to the U.S. and back to Canada. So all the Canada teams are staying in Canada and only playing each other in the regular season, which is crazy. 
Uh, so, Steve, it's just interesting. Just one more time real quick. The Blue Jays are going to be here, too. Another major league team is going to be playing in their spring training stadium to start the year. Yeah, and this is going to be a second straight year that the Blue Jays have not been able to do this because the federal government has deemed it that they cannot uh, travel back and forth across the border right now in Canada. If you try and come into the country, it is a 14 day quarantine quarantine at a hotel at your own expense. So uh, <laughs> there's Good a, luck. Wow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so they, so they're not, they're not allowing this to go back and forth last year. The blue Jays played in Buffalo, which is their triple a affiliate, but there is going to be a triple a season this year. So they're not able to use their triple wow. a stadium. So now they're coming to Dunedin, which is where their low a team will be playing this year. That team will play on one of their backfields and, and the major league team will get an opportunity to play at TD uh, Stadium in Dunedin. There will be limited fans available. Uh, you know, that's going to be probably 1,500 fans all the way through until they decide to leave because that stadium's capacity is only about 7,000. So all right. they're looking at having about 1,500. Good to know on all of that. And again, the Raptors, all I'm saying to the public, and Deshaun's going to nod along here, is if, if the Lightning and the Rays and the Buccaneers have won the title, watch out for the Raptors. I don't even know what's going to happen, but just watch out for the Raptors. It's Champa Bay, I, baby, and it may I roll watched, off on the Blue Jays too, Deshaun. I, I, watched, I watched them beat the 76ers the other day uh, at, at Amelie Arena because I do some work with the yep. Raptors as well. And then last night, watched them uh, get throttled at the beginning, but then come back. That was only a six-point game at the end. And, you know, for a team that's supposed to be the cream of the crop in the Eastern Division, <laughs> that Philadelphia team, they can go ice cold at times. And they look, they look, there are times when it's like, oh my God, why are you not just feeding the ball to Joel Embiid all the time? And then all of a sudden it's like, where did these guys go? They're letting the Raptors back into this game. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm very curious to see what the Raptors can do in an Eastern Conference playoffs that it, they're going to get into, even though they're probably going to end up finishing the year right around 500. Deshaun Tate, the Champa Bay could rub off on the Raptors. Give me a quick comment real quick before we get out of here. Yeah, um, not only the Raptors, but hey, who knows? In a year like this, as much craziness as we've seen getting ready to approach all the madness that is the month of March, maybe Brian Gregory can get the Bulls in some kind of NCAA <laughs> tournament consideration. USF. Don't don't hold your breath. Don't, don't hold, your, hold breath, your breath. But it's Champa Bay. He's right. It may be. All right, let me plug for my guys here again as I share the screen one more time on uh, on the YouTube roundtable. We take a look at Deshaun Tate. Here's where you find him. Tate's Take Hoops as we take a look uh, there on the screen. T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S. Tate's Take Hoops for everything. Uh, Tate's Take Hoops is a podcast wherever podcasts are found. Also on Facebook and YouTube. And by the way, we plug away. Deshaun, you've got Clark Kellogg. There he is of CBS mm -hmm. that you're going to be taping with and, and broadcasting that uh, show and podcast on Wednesday so as the audience is hearing us on Thursday they can find all things being equal and you're able to get Clark on they can find you and Clark Kellogg breaking down the month of March in the NCAA tournament on Tate's take the podcast and the show right absolutely yeah they can do that and like you said anywhere you find your favorite podcast and make sure that you go and subscribe you can even leave us a uh uh, up to a five-star rating leave us a drop us a comment on how much you enjoy the uh the podcast and the show the episode in general and we're gonna pick his brain a little bit everybody's talking about gonzaga and baylor and how great they look 
but I haven't really heard very many people say anything negative about the concerns that they have about either one of those teams. I'm a part, I'm a, I'm going to uh, pick Clark's brain on that one as well. So it should be uh, fun to look forward to. All right. And Steve Carney as well with me again, follow him at Steve Carney. We're showing that up on the screen, C-A-R-N-E-Y on social media. I plug again, uh, for Steve's website, which is the stpete9.com, stpete9.com website for the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, there he is covering Kevin Kiermeyer, one of the popular Rays players, the popular outfielder. He says he doesn't want to be anywhere else. We don't want him to be anywhere else, but the Rays might end up trading him because of salary. Don't do it, Tampa Bay Rays. Steve's covering it. He's writing about it. stpete9.com is the website. And Steve, you also have the podcast that they can find. I'm going to show it to the YouTube audience uh very appropriately named uh under the orange roof under the orange roof which they turn orange Deshaun, and for the audience on the youtube roundtable whenever the rays win a game and it's been a lot of orange the last few years <laughs> so he's got the under the orange roof podcast wherever you find podcasts did i do well enough on the plug steve carney you certainly did under the orange roof available wherever you get your favorite podcasts apple Podcasts, spotify google play iHeartRadio. you can follow the show on twitter at U-T-O-R podcast, and of course, get it on stpete9.com. Uh, this week, we go deep into analytics with Jason Collette of Fangraphs.com. Uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks, we've got Peter King from CBS News, who is a huge baseball fan, and maybe my favorite comedian and a funny girl and, and a very lovely, lovely person as well, Jen Decker is going to join me here in the next couple of weeks as well. She's from the Tampa Bay area. Under the Orange Roof is the podcast. Look for that. Tate's Take Hoops is Deshaun's, and Tate's Take is the podcast to find them. Uh, boys, do well. Uh, again, I love the insight from both of you. The hoops coming, Deshaun, in March. The baseball spring training here and regular season coming, Steve Carney in baseball. Uh, Steve and Deshaun, thank you for hanging with me on the Three Dog Thursday podcast YouTube roundtable, gentlemen. Thanks, DJ. Thank you for having me. Indeed, we are back in one more time with our senior handicapper, MajorWager.com and Vegas Insider Brian Edwards back with us as we come off of that YouTube roundtable a few moments ago with Deshaun Tate talking up Michigan State. Uh, Brian and I both taking a strong look at Michigan State on Three Dog Thursday against Ohio State. Uh, That one coming in East Lansing. What kind of legs do the Spartans still have here uh, to play three and five days after the wins over Indiana and Illinois? That's going to kind of lead us into the Saturday games uh, that include the Big Ten, includes Michigan and Indiana, includes Illinois and Wisconsin. Some very interesting uh, regular seasons in the Power Six. That includes the Big East. I include them in there uh, down the stretch of the season here. Uh, We're looking over uh, Texas, Texas Tech. That'll be taking place early on uh, Saturday. Uh, what else? Oklahoma State at Oklahoma. Oklahoma took the bad loss to Kansas State midweek. Florida State, North Carolina also on Saturday. We don't know the result of North Carolina and Marquette Wednesday night, but we speculate that that North Carolina should be able to win that game, trying to make a stretch run here to solidify themselves at large, North Carolina, and hosting Florida State bevy of Saturday games again of a lot of interest and we'll get to a couple of other ones that are interesting too but Brian just give me a thought here this is really one of the last weekends where we've got the big time slate of games on on a Saturday because we're almost a conference tournament play yeah I would love for my Gators uh to be an underdog to Kentucky at, at rough on Saturday and 
Kentucky, um, outside of Saturday's win at Tennessee, had one of its better performances at Florida. They uh, they took it to the Gators in the second half and won that game handily. So Florida will be in revenge mode. Lenardi had Florida as the seventh seed going into the Auburn game last night, but I don't know that winning at Auburn with Sharif Cooper having right. been out it does a whole lot for Florida. Um, but, you know, um, so – Hey, Florida doesn't want a loss to Kentucky. They don't want to get swept by Kentucky. And uh, it would be still a pretty good win uh, on the road. Uh, any SEC road win is, is pretty decent. So Florida needs that one. I would love for them to be getting a few points uh, because Scotty Lewis, who had missed a bunch of games, I don't know if he had COVID or his contact tracing, has kind of been slow to get going. He erupted for 16 first-half points. He had five steals last night. And so that just adds another, you know, former five-star weapon uh, to Florida's arsenal. Uh, and uh, as Florida, you know, hopes to maybe improve to a five or a six seed and, and make it where they can be potentially a Sweet 16 team. And again, the Kentucky lack of the Texas A&M game this week, we were talking about it earlier, means they only have two regular season games right now left, and that is the Florida game Saturday and then at Ole Miss on Tuesday unless they get stuck in uh, another makeup situation. So at best for the Wildcats, they can only finish 10 and 13 in the regular season. It's, uh, it's almost tough to even say that they would be three under 500 headed to the SEC tournament. Still, though, they would be on a serious uptick if they can get the win. Do you believe Florida will be somewhere around what, like a five-point, six-point underdog in that game? Speculate for me, Brian, Florida at Rupp Arena? No, I do not think they – I'm not even sure they'll be an underdog, but um, if so, I think it would be two or three. Um, and if I can uh, just go one other spot, uh, Minnesota's at Nebraska on uh, Saturday, and Minnesota is really starting to struggle because of some personnel issues. Uh, their center, uh, Liam Robbins, uh, has not been practicing, dealing with an ankle injury. And then Gabe Kalshore averages 9.2 points per game. They just lost him uh, to a is either a wrist or a hand injury. And Minnesota is at Nebraska. I know Nebraska is awful, but Minnesota just lost by 31 at home to Louisville. They had only lost uh, at home once all year, and they lost by 10 at Indiana. They have not won a road game all year. They've only covered one. So if they are favored Saturday and still having all these injury issues, maybe Nebraska would be a look as an underdog on Saturday afternoon. Very interesting. A few more moments with Brian Edwards, MajorWager.com, Vegas Insider. We'll let him tell you where you can find all of his great information in a few more moments. Uh, we mentioned Baylor earlier with you not playing West Virginia as originally rescheduled on Thursday. They wiped that game away. Baylor at Fog Allen Fieldhouse with Kansas. As you mentioned, Kansas in a hard-fought, well-played game lost in Austin to Texas uh, back on Tuesday night. Baylor struggled in their first game back in 23 days, 22 or 23 days. They came back and played Iowa State, had to come from behind and beat the winless Cyclones. Baylor likely favored at Kansas. What do you What do you think? Uh, you do this amateur handicapping and look at it all the time. Are the Bears as the unbeaten top team in uh, the Big 12, likely favored at Fog Allen there? Yeah, you know, I didn't get to watch any of that Iowa State game, and, and forgive me if I, that I'm not familiar if they were missing any personnel because I know they've had COVID, but if they're full strength, having got their rusty game 
out of the way. And even with Kansas starting to come on and, and having won five of six with just the aforementioned heartbreaker and OT to Texas being the only blemish since they got run out of Knoxville uh, like three Saturdays ago, uh, even with that being the case, I still think Baylor would be a favorite, not, not by a lot, but I still think they would be a short favorite. I would be interested in the Jayhawks there, even as a two-point uh, underdog, something like that at home at Fog Allen Fieldhouse uh, for that matchup. And again, that Florida State-North uh, Carolina game intrigues me. We don't know the result midweek of North Carolina and Marquette. We believe North Carolina will win that. Marquette's 100 in the net. The game is in Chapel Hill North Carolina likely going to be at least like a three or four point underdog to Florida State, who's uh, nine and two in the ACC, right? More than likely, yes. Carolina a home dog Saturday, four Eastern time. Uh, and quick turnaround for FSU because they're down in Miami on. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Today's Wednesday. Yeah, on Wednesday well, night. Not right. right. Yeah, but they are down in Miami Wednesday night. Uh, FSU's playing good. Yeah, I think FSU would be uh, at least a three. Maybe four point favorite. That would, yeah, I would think that number. Take a right, look right at there. that one there for the uh, the Tar Heels who are coming around at the moment. It always seems that way uh, with Roy Williams's teams that they round into uh, into play. And again, uh, North Carolina finishing not only uh, with Florida State, but they will play at the Carrier Dome at Syracuse, and then oh by the way, Duke in the rematch game after beating Duke at Duke. That's how Carolina's schedule for the moment. Uh, finishes up so and I again we publicly applaud North Carolina saying hey we need home games and they went and found two teams that would come play them Northeastern came and played them Marquette came and played them uh, how about Woj Wojciechowski a former Duke guy helping out Carolina for a home date uh, they're trying to help their own resume for the end of the season as well Marquette so we'll see if uh, if they are able to do that his seat might be getting a little warm as well up there in Milwaukee. Well, they've been in <laughs> hey, the tournament. Uh, did we, they, um, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, did we talk about Derek Lewis in the main event last week by chance, USD? I believe you did mention him last week as uh, as an underdog plus possibility. Three, plus 350 underdog second round knockout winner. And I've got another heavyweight that I'm interested in. Not quite as big a dog in the UFC main event Saturday, and that is Jorenzo Rosenstrike, who is around plus 220, plus 225 against Cyril Gain. Uh, so there's one more heavyweight uh, underdog. In back-to-back weeks, we hit Derek Lewis, the Black Beast, plus 350 last week, and let's go with Jorenzo Rosenstrike around plus 220-ish uh, this week as well. Interesting on that. And by the way, because you know I'm a boxing guy, we had the big fight on ESPN last weekend where Oscar Valdez... Skull, the 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 just uh, internet immortalized one punch tenth round KO. He had been battering the champ Miguel Burchelt, and Valdez was the underdog plus two twenty as the underdog and got the win. Now this weekend we've got Canelo Alvarez, and we'll be previewing this fight a lot more. Canelo fighting an unknown, little known uh, Turkish contender named Avni Yildirim. Doesn't matter. Uh, Canelo's going to be an overwhelming favorite, but he. He's back in the ring, and we're going to see him much more active because he's going to fight now, he's going to fight in May, and he's probably going to fight again in the fall. So Canelo fighting at the Dolphins Hard Rock Stadium, the home of the Miami Dolphins, Saturday night. But all I'm saying to the the audience on Three Dog Thursday, do not take the underdog, Abney Yildirim, because Canelo's going to wipe him out uh, probably in 
quick order. 50 to 1. Yeah, 50 to 1 is about right. What What's the under over on rounds is what I would be more interested in. And if it's more than four like... Four and a half. Yeah, if this thing goes more than three or four, it would be shocking. Let's see. Let's see if Canelo finishes him quickly. So you got UFC. We got boxing. We'll be talking more on the Big Fight Weekend podcast about the Canelo fight and tons of college basketball. You're sifting through all of it. Promote away, my friend, on how we read you and find out more about all this great information, including injury updates, spread changes, etc. where they find all your information, Brian. On Twitter, at Vegas uh, B. Edwards, and there are a lot of hot and cold NBA trends that have been working well, and I, I cover all those on Twitter, and if not on my Twitter, uh, at MajorWager.com. And obviously, you can find all, all my picks that have been selling like hotcakes on VegasInsider.com. All right. Love it from this man. Good luck with your underdogs this weekend. I appreciate the insight and the analysis, Brian. Good luck with all of those. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, sir. Have a great weekend. Good luck to your listeners with their bets. We love all of that. Thanks also to Deshaun Tate, Tate's Take Hoops. Find him online. Again, the Clark, uh, the Clark Kellogg interview from CBS is up. Uh, from him so check that out and uh, also Steve Carney with me from stpete9.com the Tampa Bay Rays uh, insider website that's there in his podcast as the Rays defend the American League Championship coming up with spring training starting and the Major League Baseball season starting those guys were on the YouTube roundtable so find us on the YouTube roundtable there Uh, also uh, subscribe to this show Apple Podcasts Spotify Google Podcasts to find Three Dog Thursday and thanks to my guys at the Sports Gambling Podcast uh, as well for helping promote us sportsgamblingpodcast.com for now we are done enjoy all the college hoops it will be march it will be march when we're back with you we're marching to march coming up here as part of three dog thursday bye